Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to edit up here on the Edup Experience Podcast, where we make education your business. And we've done that now over 500 times and counting. And uh, very, very soon, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard me say this before on a previous podcast, then you're hearing it for the first time. Uh, we are writing a book called Commencement, the Beginning of a New Era in Higher Education. It will be out very shortly and it takes our first 100 presidents that we interviewed on this podcast, and it distills down all of what they said into common themes, and then we're obviously writing around it, but uh, kind of like we have 100 authors. It's been very hard. You'd think it'd be really easy to write a book with 100 people contributing to it, and it's actually really difficult because we want to highlight as many people as we can, and then the things get complicated, and then it's higher ed, and you know it gets more complicated because it's higher ed, and you have to try to describe it's something to a reader. What if the reader doesn't know higher ed? And then it's like, oh, how do I talk about non-standard term and standard term? It's like, all right. Anyway, it's getting complicated, but we're getting close and we appreciate all the support uh, of all of you. Lots going on in higher education these days, guys. Uh, lots going on. I'm particularly excited about this episode because if you haven't heard about the book before, um, we were introduced to my co-author, Kate Colbert, through my co-host today. He called me up and he goes, dude, do you think you want to write a book sometime? And I was like, yeah, I think maybe I should. Anyway, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. He is the author of How to Work with Jerks. His name is Eric Williamson. What's going on, Eric? How are you? Hey, it's great to be with you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to co-hosting this great, this great show today. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to get you on for a while, and it's been really my fault uh, because it's like, yeah, I got this, I got, you know. <coughs> <clears throat> anyway, that was me kind of using my clear my throat, but um, I think uh, I, I'm glad to have you here because it's like everything came it's coming full circle now, yeah. right? Because it was like two years ago you introduced us to Kate. That's right, that's right. I can't wait till your book comes out, man. This is gonna be awesome. I thought it already came out, but um, I got to get my kind of did. Yeah, kind of did. And then we pulled back and, you know, Kate and then me and then I'm specific and then she's specific and we're like, we got to get it right, you know? And so it's this back and forth that's happening and um, it's going to come out very shortly. We hope it will help uh, the higher education community, but it's really, ex I'm excited to have you here, Eric, because it's like this, uh, like I said, it's like full circle now. All, we're all connected, right? And we met on LinkedIn and, that's you know, right. I've met so many people on LinkedIn, especially through the pandemic and look what comes of it. Beautiful, beautiful things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful. <laughs> well, my guest today, our guest today, your guest today, ladies and gentlemen, he is coming um, from an organization doing very important work. And I'm going to get it right. I'm going to I'm going to probably say I meant to ask him how to say his last name before the episode started. But now that we're recording, I'm either going to get it very right. And he's going to tell me that or I'm going to slay it. And then he's going to tell me that I got it wrong. Here we go. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. He is the CEO of the National Association of College Auxiliary Services. His name is Matt Marcial. You got oh, it. <laughs> I did? Oh, man. I, I, let me give myself a thing. Epic. Oh, phew. I was sweating there, Matt, while I was giving you the intro. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be with you and Eric today. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. I mean, you know, there's so much... We've had so many conversations on this podcast, and I mean so many, 
about enrollment, right? And it it's kind of starts with enrollment and enrollment drops and enrollment raises and enrollment, 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 and less about kind of everything else that goes on in colleges and universities. And so can you level set for us for somebody that hasn't heard of, uh, of the National Association of College Auxiliary Services, NACAS, I would, assuming you give it a NACAS or whatever you want to call the acronym, tell us uh, what it is, what do you guys do, and how would you explain it to somebody that doesn't understand it? Absolutely. So at NACUS, uh, we're the NACUS, see, I was all wrong two times. <laughs> we're the professional trade association for uh, for leaders in auxiliary services. So what that means is the folks who run all of the uh, business enterprises on campus, uh, all of the non-academic units. So you've got everything from dining services, housing, bookstores, transportation, and then you've got a lot of one-offs. You've got campuses that have golf courses, even cemeteries. Uh, so it runs the gamut of anything that produces revenue or contributes to the student experience. Um, that's what our members do. And so we support them with education, networking, uh, anything that helps to advance their career. Um, and we have a large business partner community that helps support that business development of uh, the sourcing on campus. So all of that um, that you see, they're the decision makers of uh, what comes to campus impacting that student experience. I've heard that some schools have like lazy rivers and pools and all that. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys like, support that yeah. stuff too, I would imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have that when I was in college. Oh, uh, yeah. Me neither. Lazy River was, you know, literally a river behind the campus somewhere that had just a little bit of water in it. And you decide whether you want to go splash around. But so that's a lot, right? When you think about that, you know, food service on an on campus, like, you know, I'm at Lindenwood University. This comes up all the time food service. How do students feel about the food? Getting the food service? What's the contracting agreements? You know, who can we access the food when we need to? Does the card work to get the food? There's so many items of technology, especially when you think about new students. We just had our false uh, term in and you know it's like a student where do i go to eat how do i use the card who do i call what's the you know who do we call uh, you know as the vendor so there's just a lot of detail and you think about the number of people behind the scenes right and you even go back to the pandemic and you think about ground services and you know all of these services to keep a campus running i don't think people generally know that this is a massive business undertaking at a university. Tons of people, tons of work, and, and a lot of it, um, I don't know, just like thankless almost. Like it's so important, but nobody goes around, hey man, thanks for uh, taking care of this for me. You know, it's, it's behind the scenes. You never see those people or you don't see them as much. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. I, I came on board here a year ago and I was just so impressed with the scope of uh, everybody's work within the NACUS community. So like you said, they are running, you know, cities on campus with all of those business entities. And it, it's really impressive, the scope of what they do and the folks that they have reporting to them. And like you said, it can be a thankless job. And the last couple of years have been really tough with, uh, you know, learning going remote and some of that's been impacted on how students see the, the effective uh, community on campus. Eric, I want to bring you in here, but I do want to ask just one quick question. Do you think, Matt, do you think students are more aware of auxiliary services now that we're coming out of pandemic where you and you think about health and you think about safety and you think about transportation and, you know, where is there a deeper awareness of those types of things for, for parents and students and adults, frankly, coming into the higher education system today? Most definitely. And, you know, that's exactly what we're hearing both from our members and from the students is that 
um, that impact of being remote and now getting back to campus and feeling that sense of community and, you know, dining with with fellow students and experiencing the on campus transportation, all of that is is something that they see now. Uh, we we do some annual uh, research reports, and one of the things that we've heard the last couple of years is there was a big impact on that sense of community, and so the shift was really back to pure academics. And so, you know, when before they were really seeing, yeah, that that holistic campus experience is is contributing to what I see value in. You know, through the pandemic, it was a big decline, and you know, all they could focus on was the academics. That's all they had. They didn't have that bigger sense of student community. And now we're seeing that uh, return as campus operations have normalized. Ah, well, I'm glad you're, uh, I'm glad you're seeing the light on that, Eric. Uh, great, great comment. Ah, uh, go, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. And Joe, to your point, <clears throat> I think there is more of an awareness um, since the pandemic, but I would also add this probably more of an appreciation for all the auxiliary services that were provided. Like not many people know how the sausage is made. And, and Matt, Marcial, when you were talking about that report that came out, um, you mentioned that student community that ranked in the top three, top three factors that's most critical to their success. I'm curious, you know, what is any, is there anything that you all are, are doing differently to adjust your style to um, promote uh, more opportunities and can cultivate that, that community, that sense of belonging that students are, are really craving these days? Absolutely. We're really encouraging, you know, as an output of the, the new data, we're really encouraging our members to figure out how can they have more touch points with students and really showcase that connectivity on campus. You know, they're the connectors with a lot of different areas on campus, right? So, you know, one of the big things I've heard in higher ed is the, the silos that we've got to break down. And so we're what working- What the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how is it that we can get, you know, get across those different areas so our members can be um, a better delivery of those services to students? And so there's a lot of conversations around that and figuring out, you know, how it can be more consistent across the board. So, uh, you know, you've been you've been a part of this for about a year um, in your role. Um, what kind of leadership skills have allowed you to persevere and to adjust during these times? Because you've really, you've come in during the, right in the midst of all these changes and, and how higher ed has definitely been impacted through the pandemic. So describe, describe through this leadership style, have you been able to adjust during these times? Yeah, I think, you know, it's been really important coming in to do a lot of listening. I think a lot of leaders, they, they come in and you, you've got to hear a lot of different perspectives, right? There's different stakeholders that you're, you're listening to. And I think within our community, it's, it's you know, our member facing folks are, are really important understanding what they're hearing, but then also understanding that student perspective. So we've got partners who help us understand that. Uh, and it helps us to really give our members what's happening next. And so that's been first and foremost important to me is hearing those different perspectives, what's impacting them, what are the challenges, uh, and, and how are we going to deliver our services uh, to our members, it's really going to help them around the corner. So we've have to be a lot more nimble. Associations in general have a notorious reputation for being slow to react, uh, you know, status quo type of thing, very similar to some of the stereotypes of higher ed. What? So we have to, <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? So we have to be really, you know, cognizant of how are we going to make decisions faster? How are we going to react quicker and, you know, be willing to take risks. That's one of the things that I work with my staff on is 
How can we fail fast, have that kind of mindset of, you know, going out, let's try something, let's experiment. And if it doesn't work, let's let's learn from it and move on. That's awesome. That is awesome, man. Um, so I love well, let me let me jump in, Eric. Let me oh, jump yeah, in. Go ahead. Because I <clears throat> talk about scope a little bit. You know, as a membership organization, you, how many colleges, universities, you know, however, you know, association, other associations that might be part of your association that that you have, I know how many uh, institutions, individual institutions we talked about. Yeah, we've got about 650 institutions, you know, running all the gamut from community colleges to the the largest institutions. Talk about some of the um, benefits of being part of this membership organization. You know, is it the networking? Is it the, by the way, there's a ton of construction going on out here. So if you hear a drill going into the microphone and it's not a sound effect that is actually happening right outside my office. But anyway, you, you know, what is the, what is the rationale? Is it to see how other people are doing it? You know, how are they doing it? Is it the networking to get feedback and talk about some of those member benefits, if you would. Yeah, most definitely. The The sense of community is definitely what brings folks to NAC. It's, it's that, uh, that personalized, not only just within the other institutions, but with our partners, our business partners who are delivering those solutions to them. Uh, you know, they can come with a challenge and they'll get an answer the same day. We've got some uh, an online forum that's great for that. Uh, and then the in-person, you know, getting back to in-person and face-to-face, -face, both to learn together and have those conversations has been fantastic. You know, we did a great job of pivoting through the pandemic, going online, but that's not going to replace that face-to-face -face connection. Uh, we're really looking forward in a couple of weeks to our, our large annual convention in Las Vegas, and we're going to have uh, a return to pre-pandemic numbers. So uh, those folks are going to get together, meet with, the, we've got a large expo where we've got um, a huge number of those business partners that are going to be there for them. And to be able to come meet with them and talk about, hey, you know, I'm having this issue with my, my dining facility. How can you help us with that? It's not just about, you know, signing a contract on the show floor. It's about how can we build those relationships and start to find solutions together? So that's really what this community is all about. And then we help them with uh, certification. So we have a certified auxiliary services professional designation that kind of sets the standard of what an auxiliary leader needs to know. And we're continuing to ramp up our education with certificate programs that will help develop. And then uh, we're looking forward to announcing a new diversity and leadership program uh, in a couple of weeks as well. Nice. Where's that conference coming up? Uh, we're at Caesars in Las Vegas. Cheers. Well, well, maybe a drink or two, uh, you know, th things have uh, been discussed in Vegas for sure. Talk about, um, talk about safety, campus safety. Are, are public, I mean, some campuses have police forces, some have public safety. Are they part of auxiliary services and, and considered in that? Yeah, we have about, probably about 25% of our membership has uh, the, the student safety within their scope. So, you know, they, if they don't, they still work closely with those folks because, you know, they've got security concerns with the retail operations and all the facilities. Yeah. And the reason I ask is because obviously that's a sensitive topic these days with a number of incidents on educational campuses, you know, whether they're K-12 or college campuses. And that's something that, you know, I think when you talk about networking and understanding what other people are doing, that's one area that can very be very helpful. The overall umbrella of safety and happiness. And I'm looking at your most recent report. And of course, Eric and I both caught it on LinkedIn. 
the students are defining success up 13% on happiness and, and fulfillment from the last time you measured it. So 13% greater uh, students are defining uh, happiness and fulfillment as their definition of success and, and, you know, in higher education. Is it safety? Is it, you know, what is it? Is it the community? What is making students happy? Is it just being together and on a campus outside of your trapped basement or you couldn't get out of there for two years? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I think that that is what we think it is. It's that sense of belonging and community. Uh, one of the other you know trends we saw from the data is that mental health concerns through the pandemic and coming out are, are a big impact to that, right? So um, that face-to-face -face community is a big part of what's contributing to them wanting a broader fulfillment. And I think that you know workforce trends like the Great Resignation and things like that we're seeing as part of, uh, you know, how am I, you know, people going remote, they can ask, you know, is this what I want to do? And so many opportunities now, it, it, it's not all about being stuck in a job or stuck in a, uh, a college degree program. There's a lot of different opportunities to learn and, and gain content. So I think students are realizing that also, and, you know, prioritizing their well-being and their happiness. 100%. Eric, over to you. Well, I, I tell you what, though, that's, um, I don't see much difference between that survey, how the, how the students responded to how adult, to people, you know, professionals are responding to. They all want happiness. They want to be fulfilled. And this, you know, this is providing an opportunity to help people, you know, kind of search for that happiness and fulfillment, too. So I really see the alignment in that. That's my happiness and fulfillment button, Eric, okay. as you were talking. <laughs> I do have a question, though. You, you talked about the conference that you that's happening next month. That's the C3X conference. It is. Um, sounds like an exciting event. You've got some some really good speakers um, at the event as well. What are you excited the most about this event? Because this is like one of the first times since you know the pandemic. You're you know it's going to be all in person. So, what are you excited the most about it? Yeah, I'm excited about the connections. You know, I I uh, I came on board right when we had our Atlantic City event, and it was our first back to in person. It was definitely a scaled down program, right? Our expo was not to the level it traditionally is. So to see it in full force, I'm really excited about that. And to meet a lot of the members who didn't get to come out last year is going to be fantastic. Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. You know, one of the things that I think has been coming up and you touched on it briefly and it kind of ties to the whole conference idea is, is you know, of networking and being back together there may not be the same people before that there are now, meaning we've we've seen a lot of exits within higher education. And one of those areas, I think auxiliary services takes a lot of those exits, right? I mean, I think your administrators, by and large, there's been a lot of presidential uh, changes, but by and large, your administrators always kind of have some movement. But when you have movement in auxiliary services, it's tough because some of those positions are um, the different kinds of positions. It's harder to find people to do that kind of work. You know, what does this look like for your for auxiliary services, as it were, what is the great resignation or the great reshuffling within higher education doing to the workforce within our industry? 
Yeah, by and large, the biggest challenge that I've heard over the past year from our members is that uh, labor and the impact on, um, you know, long-term employees leaving, retirements, you know, all of those things impacting the workforce are hitting auxiliary services really hard. Yikes! Uh, they've, <laughs> they've had to adapt, you know, they've, they've had to really do a lot more with less and then compound that with the supply chain issues as we're yeah. talking about food and getting their typical, uh, you know, you know, bacon on the buffet, you know, if you, if you can't get that, you know, what do you do? So it's not just about putting a sign out saying we're out of bacon. How do we still deliver that experience? So our members are really having to think through those strategies of, you know, how are we, you know, we used to be the main employer in the city. How are we now competing with the Burger King up the street? Because that's, that's what's happening. Wages are going up for hourly workers and they've got a lot more choices than they ever had. Uh, but, you know, the other interesting thing is auxiliaries are typically one of the largest student employers on campus. Uh, so we see a lot of opportunity for auxiliaries to really harness that and use that as a workforce development opportunity. Because, you know, part of the other uh, parts of the research tells us that students want to be prepared when they leave college and not just from uh, what they're learning in the classroom. How are we really preparing them outside of the classroom with leadership and, and true workforce skills? So auxiliary services does a lot of that. And it doesn't matter if they're, if they're uh, on campus, uh, in the bookstore selling books or um, in the kitchen. You know, those are lifelong skills that you gain great work ethic. And so our members are really that foundation and then seeing auxiliaries even as a career pathway, because it's not a career that many people realize, but it can be a great career of uh, leadership development along the way. I love what you said there. Let me just summarize that point, Eric, because it's really important. What we're talking about, we always talk about lifelong learning. We talk about students who are on campus. The, the, the path to skills needs to be as fast as possible so that somebody sees the return, right? If you take two years of general education courses and you aren't feeling the skill building, you know, can, can we create faster opportunities to, to have those skills be realized? But yeah, you could build out auxiliary services with student workers. You know, there's going to be a higher churn, but you can have very responsible folks that come over years. Um, it could be a retention tool, right? Because if you have a really good job on campus, it's giving you real world experience, you're more likely to come back for it. So your retention, you can see retention uh, benefits from it. And you can you can sell that as a part of a value proposition, right? Like if you come here to this small city that we have, you know, you can you can get a job here on campus. It's going to give you the exact same kind of real world experience that you would experience in the real world. I'm not sure how I said that exactly, but you know what I mean. Um, that's just a really good point, don't you think, Eric? I absolutely do. I mean, I've raised my eyebrows as well because I didn't even think about that, how students and their engagement with auxiliary services. I mean, that's something that can definitely be leveraged, especially now when they're looking for that fulfillment and that happiness. And so do you all do you all coordinate with the school itself for any of these professional development or leadership services or is this more like on the job training how does that work yeah and so currently we we do a lot of uh direct education for our members so the folks who are leading those auxiliary units where we're building out our, more of our education is for those kind of lower levels who work within auxiliary so you know my vision for us is you've got somebody sitting today in the bookstore and they don't have any experience with dining services or with parking. So we build out that competency for all of those other operational areas. What are the key things that you need to know to run those 
business units so that once they gain that competency, they're prepared for that next step. And so they can take that next supervisor role or that director role that comes up. And so there's a pathway that NACUS helps to all those levels of leaders within auxiliary services and not just that top uh, VP or um, leader there at their business. How does that, how does that work with uh, technology changing things? You know, and we're talking about auxiliary services. We're talking about, you think physical, of course. Um, what about technology? Not t necessarily technology replacing an auxiliary service, but definitely technology enhancement of auxiliary services, right? It's a never changing kind of world. Yeah, no, technology is a, you know, an area I'm passionate about helping our members uh, advance, right? Because to be successful in their careers, they need to be prepared for what's around the corner. Uh, digital transformation is having a big impact, not only on campus, but every, you know, every organization. My last two associations, we went through major digital transformation projects. And so it's the same thing on campus where students are so used to that Amazon experience, that predictive, seamless experience. And so auxiliaries need to prepare for that next level. So how are we making that student experience seamless? You know, it could be transportation. Is there an app that's showing them how long it's going to be till the shuttle comes around? Is it seamless to order food? We've got... Uh, campuses that are working with some of our partners who have robotic deliveries. So you've got robots that are delivering meals to their dorms. Amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really incredible what you can do. So there's a lot of different um, enhancements. We're talking about convenience stores that are having um, payless systems like you see in airports now. Um, there's a lot of parallels too with what's happening at uh, airport retailers and happening on campus. So uh, we're looking at all of that and seeing how we can continue to prepare our members for uh, for those advancements. And then you think about too, Eric. I'll pass to you to say, like hotel, you know, uh, getting in your room, kind of like hotel swipes or the the swipe. I mean, all that stuff's coming around now. We've talked to companies that go in and do that. You know, they just replace all of doorknobs with touchless, you know, censored cards or whatever that you can use from your phone to update college campuses like a hotel would it be updated, right? Because that's our expectation when we go to a hotel. I don't have to go get a key. I can just use the my phone key and it will swipe and QR code it. And that does bring back the point that you made about supply chain issues. And this is a real point because if you try to build a house or anything for that matter, or even try to like, I don't know, go, you know, gas is another, I mean, there's just so many things that have been affected by the supply chain. And uh, I know this at Lindenwood, obviously we're, you know, we have a lot of construction projects going on and it gets delayed. We can't get this. It's hard to get that. You know, the Ukraine Russia war happened. And then someone told me, I don't even know if it's true, but we get a lot of metal in the United States from Ukraine and wheat. I mean, there's all these things that come from these other countries. And when there's disruption, it's very hard to do all of the services that you need or provide all the services that you need. What is that conversation now? Is it calming down? Is it still a thing on the supply chain? Can you give us some insight on what's happening conversationally? Yeah, it's definitely still a thing. I do think it's calming down a little bit. Um, you know, the noise has, has, has definitely slowed down, but we're still seeing that impact. The, the campuses that have uh, construction projects, you know, delays are still inevitable. Um, we're not seeing as much of like the the issues in in the dining facilities where they're having, um, you know, not being able to get in the staple items that students are looking for. So that's a good thing. So we are seeing some progress there. Uh, you know, we're just trying to keep our members prepared and figure out what's next. You know, uh, with the rising costs, that's 
probably the bigger impact that hasn't slowed down. So inflation ah! <laughs> with inflation continuing, we, we, you know, until it calms down, uh, you know, we're having to look at what, uh, how it's going to go back and impact the student. Eric. I tell you, these sound effects are there. <laughs> if I can keep making you guys laugh, I think I'm doing my job. Th thanks. They are completely keeping me on my toes. Like, oh, what's next? <laughs> oh, but Matt, my, my question to you, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, students and, and how they um, are adapting right now to, um, to this new campus environment, new higher ed environment. We talked about them, you know, working in definitely auxiliary locations. What do you think are some of the skills you think in today's environment that these students that they that they absolutely need in order to thrive when they leave campus? Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, leadership skills are, are first and foremost key. Um, I always like to say, you know, no matter where you work, you're you're selling something. So sales skills. Oh, yeah. Having to understand how you influence uh, and then just the soft skills. It goes back to a lot of the soft skills of how do you how do you communicate? Uh, you know, we do a lot via text, but sometimes it could be more effective to pick up the phone and get an answer and, and work with your colleagues. So uh, financial skills are also huge. You're going to need that no matter what you do. So a lot of those basic business skills are going to be critical regardless of where a student goes and I think can help prepare them. And auxiliaries are a great place where they learn a lot of that foundation no matter what role they jump into. Do you get a lot of, uh, just one more question for me, but do you get a lot of um, feedback and what's the conversation around? And we talked about this at the beginning, you know, there's lots of conversations around enrollment. There's lots of conversations about enrollment up, enrollment down. Auxiliary services a lot of times respond positively or negatively to tuition revenue. Um, for big institutions with huge endowments, maybe it doesn't matter, but the majority of institutions across the U.S., I think there's like four or 5,000 Title IV institutions, the, major the majority of them are kind of middle tier, you know, have, uh, you know, 10,000 students, five to 10,000 students, even sometimes less. So auxiliary services are kind of at the mercy sometimes of how enrollment is fluctuating up or down. How's that conversation going amongst membership? Is there frustration? Is it nervousness is that you know what what does that look like yeah the, there's a lot of pressure on auxiliary services like you said you know when numbers are down auxiliaries often get the you know cut you need to yeah. make it up in revenue and mm -hmm. how are we going to do that right like you have to be creative so we're trying to help our members with uh, other solutions to generate revenue uh, there's a lot of talk around how can you repurpose spaces that uh, you know traditionally uh, are used for XYZ purpose. And yes. Yeah, become something that the students can take better advantage of. Uh, so things like that, it, it's a big impact. When the enrollment's down, there is a lot more pressure on auxiliary services. Uh, we're trying to figure out uh, how we can continue to deliver that, uh, that value. A big part of what we help our members with is how they align their strategic plan with what auxiliaries are doing. And that's how they can impact student success and have a seat at the table. That's hard be right? Because you think about the fluctuation, the elast elasticity between that. If enrollment's down and you've got to look at cutting your auxiliary services and you make cuts and enrollment bounces back really quickly, you can't just replace those auxiliary services so quickly without major disruption. And so there's this balancing act of slimming but not cutting and what's the priority. I mean, it truly is um, tough, let's be honest. And a lot of people don't look behind the scenes to see it. 
Most definitely. You know, one of the things I found really fascinating when I first came on to is hearing about how, you know, students making the decision of where they want to go to school, oftentimes, you know, they've already narrowed their shortlist, but it's about what, what do they feel when they're on that campus, right? And think about all those things they feel when you're on campus, the people you're interacting with, from the bus drivers to the folks working in the bookstore, those experiences help to make that decision. So it's all of those auxiliary services. So if, if they're cutting back on those experiences, um, administrators should also think about how that impacts then the student decision and, and, and that direct impact enrollment there. Yeah, exactly. Eric, go ahead. Yeah, I just have another question here. Um, and I really love what you, you know, hearing what you're doing, you know, especially right now in these, these times, just curious what your, your crystal ball right now, what is your next level of success look like in this arena? What are you working towards or, or striving through? Yeah, we're really working towards uh, bringing in more underrepresented member segments. That's a big priority to help us grow. So we know that community colleges, um, they often have, they wear many hats. And so those folks could take huge advantage of what NACUS has to offer. HBCUs and HSIs uh, are also underrepresented segments that our community uh, will see a lot of advantage in um, taking part in NACUS. So helping those communities grow, and they all have different uh, needs, right? It, it's not a one-size-fits-all. So how can we help to deliver those specialized resources for those folks? And then just continuing to build that education and resource uh, to be the top provider for those uh, those things that are going to ultimately help with that student success in the institution's strategic priorities. Mm, love it. Well, Matt, you know, Eric is, uh, this is the first time he's been my guest co-host. So, you know, it was never going to go perfect. And I'm sure he forgot to ask you something. Um, what did he forget to ask you about NACIS that you ho were hoping to say? Anything coming up? We want to double down on the conference and what's going on where we could register plug away anything NACIS that you would want the audience to know that Eric should have asked you about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, how can you get to C3X? So we'd love to have, uh, you know, any of the listeners come visit C3X, whether you're within auxiliaries or not, we'd love to have you or your auxiliary uh, team members come and experience C3X. It's a, again, a great community. We've got a large trade show that will have business partners across the scope of auxiliaries and, um, and the education is going to be fantastic. So we've got some great speakers lined up um, that will cross the, the threshold. And like I said, we're trying to work on some initiatives with uh, breaking down those silos on campus. I'm looking forward to delivering a session with the CEOs of um, SCUP. They're the university planners and ACPA, who has a lot of the student affairs professionals within their membership. So we're talking about how do you break down that systemic um, you know, systemic walls that are happening on campus and and start to collaborate more in new ways. So some exciting conversations that'll be happening. And finally, sir, what do you see as the future of higher education? That's always our final question. You know, it's an easy one. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's an evolution. It, it's got to evolve. We've, we've got to think of ways to continue to be more innovative and ultimately think about how we're we're delivering for the future student. You know, as we talked about in some of this research, students have choices, just like we as adults have choices in our professional paths. And so how are we thinking about uh, delivering things differently so that we can prioritize uh, the importance of an academic uh, an academic degree? I love it. Such important work you're doing, uh, Matt, and to your entire team at, at NACIS, uh, you know, 
well wishes from all of us here at the Edip Experience on behalf of Eric as well. You can't run these big cities without lots of people that know what they're doing. Uh, that is for sure. And everybody uh, needs and deserves support. So NACUS is a great resource. If you're in auxiliary services of some kind, check it out. If you haven't, of course, my guest co-host today, coming full circle, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, come on, come on. Put your hands up in the air. For Eric Williamson, author of How to Work with Jerks. Eric, where do we get the book if we want to buy it? By the way, How to Work with Jerks is a great book, I have to tell you. And I say that because I've read it and I, I laugh and it's true. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe. This is actually, Matt, you'll appreciate this. This was like the roadmap for college students to help them when they get into the real world. So it's about building relationships, managing conflict, all those essential skills that you just mentioned, you just highlighted previously. But if you or anyone else is interested in getting a copy of it, um, you can get it on Amazon. And I also um, love to give out signed copies as well. So um, if anyone is interested on this on this call here, you or anyone else, you can just hit me up at eWilliamson at TaylorTrainingSolutions.com. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our esteemed guest today. Here he is. Let me outro him appropriately. He's Matt Martial. He's the CEO of NACIS, the National Association of College Auxiliary Services. Matt, did you have a good edit experience today? I did. Thank you so much, Joe and Eric. I really enjoyed it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've just edupped. Commencement. The beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing.